are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt. We are coming to you on August 24th of 2021. Had a, uh, this is going to be a kind of a lighter episode, but some, some really intriguing talking points. We had a historic home run this week. Uh, we had another pitcher ejection for a substance abuse. We have a borderline Hall of Famer, which we'll get into that a little bit more, uh, that signed an extension this week, and an interesting proposal between MLB and the Players Association regarding the luxury tax. Uh, but before we jump into all of that, let's bring in Matt. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. Um, just had a uh, pretty good, having a pretty good week. It's been hot as heck outside. I mean, it's been. You know, it's not as hot as it is in California, like where you are, but it's uh, it's humid. So the heat index is over 100 today, and it's that like super heavy type of hot right now, where it's just you walk outside, and two minutes later you're just soaked in sweat. It, it's bad, but um, but yeah. Anyways, we'll uh, been it's been good. So how are you doing? Trying not to burn. California yeah. decided it wanted to get back into its uh to its burn season and just go absolutely crazy so i uh i service kind of like some of the fire departments here um with kind of like nuts and bolts for what i do or whatever and i was talking to the guy yesterday and he's like he's like i came in on on monday morning and i had like 10 rigs that were broken down out back he's like just everything that is going up there is breaking down and like coming back and they need to fixed immediately yeah like it's just insane with, with how much fire and you know the ash and all that stuff but Luckily, it's nowhere around me at this moment, and hopefully the, the winds don't take it anyway. But uh, definitely, definitely not fun when those kind of conditions come around. No doubt. Well, let's go ahead and, and kind of jump right into this episode. Um, we hinted with the historic home run, and that was Miguel Cabrera hit his 500th career home run, moving him into 28th all time on the home runs list. Yeah, Miguel Cabrera is a you know historically good. Uh, home run hitter uh, but you know his, his biggest thing is just being a great hitter in general um he is a guy who he's gonna hit as long as he plays another year he'll, he will hit his uh 3000th hit at some point he's currently at uh I believe 2955 before today he actually had his 501st home run today but um he he's a guy who is he's definitely gonna get close to he's gonna get very close to hitting uh you know he's gonna have 3,000 3, hits, 500 home runs. There's not many players who have done that, and you know, including guys like Barry Bonds that do that. He didn't have 3,000 hits, like that's a very rare feat. And um, so that's, that's some good stuff. Um, you know, congrats to Miguel Cabrera. Uh, been a member of the Tigers for a long time. Uh, you know, hit a lot of home runs with the Marlins before becoming a Tiger. And you know, he was a big part of some really good teams there. And you know, won a World Series in Miami. He's won been in the postseason been in the playoffs it kind of sucks to see his career go out on you know not being on a good team but uh you know good for him and uh congrats to him on the 500th home run that's pretty awesome yeah he's been a historic hitter throughout his career you know he's won home run titles he won the triple crown that year with the tigers um just a couple interesting stats that i had found when i was kind of like looking this stuff up he has 41 two homer games in his career and two three wow. homer games in his career um He's hit 50 home runs against the Cleveland Indians, the most of any team that he's hit against. 
Uh, he has seven walk-off home runs in his career. He had uh, one that, in his debut, didn't he? Uh, it doesn't say off his debut, but it just says the first one came off Al Levine. So that yeah. might be in his debut. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's super impressive. Um, he's a guy who, you know, he broke in as a outfielder. He's played multiple positions with the third base, played first base. But, I mean, 70 wins above replacement in his career. Um, you know, just an all-around like, 311 career average, which is really, really high. 388 on base. Um, you know, not the highest walk rate ever, but, you know, a good walk rate, 11% in his career. Um, you know, he's always hit the ball to both sides of the field high batting average on balls in play due to that. Just, I mean, you talk about his 2013 season and a 348 average with 44 home runs, 137 RBIs, uh, you know, triple crown, and 193 WRC+. plus. I think that's higher than Mike Trout's career high. So you get a guy, and you know, a guy who's a first base only that puts up nine wins above replacement is <laughs> it's just inc- it's just incredible. I mean, he, he, as a hitter, the dude was outstanding and you know he's not as what he once was at this stage but still i mean it just what a great career for miguel cabrera and um i guess you know keep it still going so yeah moments like this allow you to kind of reflect on the career a little bit more um you know like you said a fantastic hitter all the way around he has four batting titles that ties him for the most with ted williams um, among people with the 500 home runs and of hitters of right-handed hitters with 500 home runs and at least a 300 average, he's the fifth member ever. The other four: Manny Ramirez, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and Frank Thomas. So, if that doesn't tell you the kind of the company that he's in as a hitter and kind of the greatness that we were able to, you know, actually watch in our generation, and I mean that, that's fantastic. To me. Yeah, and longevity too. I mean, I know the last three or four years haven't been very good but you know he was for 13 years a guy who was a super feared hitter yeah and uh i mean he was the guy he had had an rbi in the famous uh nlcs game with with the steve bartman play like that's mm-hmm. how long he's been around it's it's hard to believe that we still got players in the in the ma- in the majors that were you know that were in that game i mean uh, and Miguel Cabrera, he, he was a 20 year old rookie, but still like he was, he was there. He was, he played on that team and, um, you know, like, like I say, just a great player. seems like a good clubhouse personality. Um, you know, a veteran leader for the last several years. Um, and a guy who really carried the Tigers for three or four years to, you know, they went to what three world series with him there, two world. I think mm-hmm. he, they went to the world series twice with him there, I think. Yeah. So. Because uh, of the first one that they went to, like in 06, he wasn't there yet. He was still in Miami, but just a fantastic player. And, uh, you know, all the congratulations to him on, you know, what's been a great career. And, um, you know, we're looking at the all time home run list. He could rise a couple more spots. Uh, you know, Eddie Murray is sitting there at 504, so he probably will pass him. I believe, um, you know, he could pass uh, Gary Sheffield at 509, Mel Ott at 511, Eddie Matthews 512, Ernie Banks 512. So, you know, if he plays one more year, he could maybe get to Ted Williams at 521, who's also tied with Willie McCovey. Uh, but I think it'll probably he'll probably land somewhere between somewhere around 21st all-time home run list or 22nd. So, um, you know, really cool. Uh, you know, good for him and. Uh, you know, be excited to see his last couple of years, see what he can do getting up on that all-time list. So, 
Yeah, and, and one kind of last point I wanted to bring up and that we can kind of talk about and then we'll wrap the whole Miggy talk up. But um, I was listening to Sirius XM MLB radio um, a couple weeks ago and they were talking about Miguel Cabrera and kind of the type of hitter and had people on talking about him. And they brought up an interesting point that I hadn't really thought about. I knew he had always played at Comerica, but the old Marlins park that he played at was never really a hitter's ballpark either. So oh, he's done a lot of this throughout his career at non hitter friendly home ballparks. And if you look at his career, you know, splits between home and road, he has a 321 at home. And we just said both of those are not at hitter friendly ballparks. He has a 301 yeah. average on the road, but the home runs are pretty much split down the middle. At yeah. home, he has it's like 16 more games, but 248 home home runs and 252 away home runs. Yeah, that's. That's pretty crazy. Um, you know, you would think that with him having played in, um, especially in Comerica, that par- that park is a cavern. You know, Miami is was a pretty tough place to hit. You know, back with, but he was in the old ballpark in Miami, so it wasn't quite as bad as Marlins Park. At least the first couple of years of Marlins Park, I don't think. But um, Comerica is a terrible place to hit, like 420 to center. I mean, it's it's hard to hard to do. So, um, and and you know, one final little point. On Cabrera, and we'll move on. But it, uh, we're not going to see another one of these for a while. Five hundred no. home run. Uh, the the next guy in line, you know, that could possibly get there is Giancarlo Stanton. He's at uh, three hundred and thirty three right now. Um, well, I guess he, I don't know if it's updated. He hit one tonight, but uh, you know, he's you know, because Albert Pujols obviously is the active leader, but he's already over that. Miguel Cabrera, but Nelson Cruz is 40. He's at 443. I doubt he can get to 500. I mean, maybe, but I kind of doubt it. Robinson Cano, I doubt he plays again. Uh, he's at 334. He won't get there anyways. So Stanton, really the next guy. And then you look down the list, and I mean, up Justin Upton, not really that effective anymore at 324. Joey Votto at 323. Evan Longoria at 314. All those guys are in their mid to upper 30s and still have over you know 180 or so to go. Uh, then Mike Trout's there. He'll probably get there if he's healthy for for a while. So he's at a uh, 310. So he might either either Stanton or Trout will be the next guy to get there, which is kind of hard to believe that you know you'll be talking about them being the you know the next guys to hit get to 500 home runs. This record, you know, this 28 player club is going to stand as a 28 player club club for you know at least five or five or so years, at, at, you know, at the very least. So yeah, I w- I would say probably if. Depends on how the health of Stanton and Trout, but probably four to at least five. Um, it would be right around there. But let's go ahead and, you know, Mickey's going to be a, a for sure, no doubt, Hall of Famer. Let's go to another kind of borderline Hall of Famer that can, uh, there's a, definitely a debate here, but that's Yadier Molina. Um, came out today and signed a one-year, $10 million extension to stay with the St. Louis Cardinals, who he spent his whole career with. Um, and, I know he had talked about it before, but this kind of seems there's been rumors rumbling around since, you know, that came out that he signed it, that next year will kind of be his swan song, that it'll be his final season with the Cardinals. And, and after that, he's going to retire. Yeah. Um, you know, Yadier Molina has been a fantastic catcher. Um, you know, I think he's, you know, I think he's a borderline hall of famer for sure. Um, I wouldn't call him a surefire hall of famer, but he's, I think he probably ends up getting getting in, um, but you know, a guy who, and over his career, you know, 55 wins above replacement, you know, that's 
borderline Hall of Fame number. Probably a little low, but uh, you know his defensive value in his career is one of the greatest ever uh, as a catcher. You know, throwing out runners, framing pitches. Um, you know, just his receiving skills, his leadership, it's been, it's all been, you know, everyone talks about intangibles with him. And, and, you know, typically that's not something that I like to talk about that much when it comes to baseball, but this is one of those situations where it is. And I mean, he's won multiple world series titles, um, you know, great player. You know, there was a three year stretch. He had the peak. There was a three year stretch where he was by far the best catcher in baseball, especially in 2011 and 2012 when he put up, or 2012-2013, where he put up 7.7 wins above replacement in 2012 and 7.8 in 2013 and uh, had a, ran a 130 WRC plus in both of those seasons. Um, so, you know, a guy who, as a hitter, you know, he's actually been pretty much exactly league average for his career. 99 for his career, WRC plus, 280 average, which is honestly pretty good, especially for a catcher. Uh, 331 on base, um, and you know, which is solid, but 403 slugging's a little low. But um, you know, a guy who you know, he his value defensively and, and still being you know at least a threat offensively, especially the ability to make contact with ball and play. Um, you know, he's been a great player for a long time, and he's a guy who you know I think will get in. But uh, you know, when it comes to next year. Um, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if next year's the biggest uh, the biggest thing when it comes to um, when it comes to um, when it comes to his his talent level, his skill. He, you know, he's put up 0.9 wins above replacement this year. His WRC plus has been below 90 the last three years, and you know, he's not he's still pretty good defensively, but he's not as good as he was. So. I mean, he'll still be useful next year, I think. But, you know, the days of him playing 140 games and, you know, being just the the best, one of the best in the game is probably over. But yeah, anyways. I think I think it's more of his his reputation um, more than anything at this point. Like he still commands respect from the pitchers. Um, he still calls, you know, a, a great game. Now the pitches actually end up the right way or, or whatever, but the way that he's able to handle a pitching staff, he's one of those that he doesn't have to look, you know, into the, into the dugout and get signs or they have to worry about it. Like he's able to control the whole game pretty much himself. And I think that that's a massive thing, you know, especially for the Cardinals who they are really good at generating young pitchers. Um, but the last couple of years, they've kind of struggled with that and struggled with some injuries. So maybe next year coming back, they're going to get, you know, like Dakota Hudson's going to come back next year. Maybe Alex Reyes is moving into a starting role again next year. Like having him behind the plate that can kind of just control everything. I think that's kind of what it is. And then to give him a, a true like swan song season per se, like I don't think anybody really ex- knew what this year was going to bring. Um, and I think that a lot of guys are kind of pushing that like retirement thing off to like, hey, let me do like one like last thing with all fans all the way through. Um, and Yachty is kind of like how, you know, like Mariano did it and Derek Jeter did it where they're going to they announce it before the season and they're kind of going to, you know, fans everywhere are going to go out and see him and teams are going to give him gifts as kind of a, uh, you know, going away gift or whatever. But like you said, he's the offensive numbers aren't quite what they are anymore the defensive numbers aren't quite but i mean nine-time gold glover a four-time platinum glove winner you know he's still a 10-time all-star 
he's not going to get into the Hall of Fame based on just the numbers offensively. I mean, the defense numbers speak for themselves, but it's going to be kind of his reputation that kind of gets him in um, to the Hall of Fame. And it's kind of like things how negative part with like a guy like Jeff Kent, who's not going to get in because yeah. he has a bad reputation. I feel like Yachty's going to get in because he's, you know, his, the longevity and kind of the reputation he has for the person and the and the type of player he is back there at catcher and rather than the, you know, pure what do the numbers and stats say. Yeah, and, you know, the just one, one last little mention on Yadier Molina, too. In 2010, he had a 262 average, a 329 on base, and a 342 slugging with six home runs in 136 games. Uh, with an 84 WRC plus, so he's a well below league average hitter. He was a pretty bad hitter that year, and he still put up five wins above replacement because of his defense. Like that, you know. Obviously, defensive war, especially for catchers, can be a little bit skewed and shaky, but that's uh, you know still impressive. That that was his his value, and I think that just kind of goes to show you what he can do, what he could do behind the plate, and you know his value to the team in general. So when he did become a really good hitter, he was really good so yeah well let's move on real quick just a quick mention that caleb smith of the arizona diamondbacks was the second pitcher ever ejected since the substance abuse um you know it, how what's it want to say substance abuse um oh what's the word i'm looking banned, for uh the uh sticky stuff ban yeah the sticky stuff ban but where they're looking at them anyways yeah. where they started checking pitchers maybe in the middle of the games um, he becomes the second pitcher ever. Remember, the first one was Hector Santiago. And this kind of sounds like the same issue of that he had um, rosin on his glove hand. And that yeah. is supposedly banned um, throughout the rules. I still don't know why because that gives you no competitive advantage at all. But supposedly he was uh, or he is suspended for 10 games. He is appealing. That was announced today. But as we've seen with Hector Santiago, I doubt that will will go through. Yeah, um, you know, I think it's tough when, you know, that this has to be the outcome for some of these because I don't know if he was cheating or if he was trying to do that, if he was trying to hide it, if he's telling the truth or not. But, um, you know, that's tough. I think if you are going to have a situation where someone does cheat, it would be something like that where, you know, he's on a crappy team and it's a guy who's kind of trying to make it in the big leagues but is not um, – you know, is not exactly like, you know, he, he feels like he might need a little bit of help to do it. And, you know, that maybe he can try to hide it or something. But I, I you know, I, I, I'm a fan of trying to limit that the sticky stuff spin rate junk. Like, I think that's pretty, you know, I, I, I would like for them to limit that. I think that's a good thing. But I would not, I do not like, you know, the sticky stuff. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't like it when a player on accident gets suspended for this. Like if, if, this, if that is the case with them. So, um, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I just, you know, th- they have rules and, you know, he wasn't following them perfectly. And it's something that's been cracked down upon. And, you know, I don't know what the substance was. So I, I don't really know if it was just rosin, then, I mean, I think he should be fine, but you know, at well, the same time, the- like, that's the thing is, it is it, they are uh, supposedly everyone said it's Raza. I mean, we will yeah. never actually know, but but there is a rule clearly stated, and I don't know why this is, but that rosin you can use rosin on your pitching hand. You can have rosin on your arm, on your pitching arm. You can have it there, but you cannot have it on your glove hand. 
Like it can't be on your wrist of your glove hand or anything. Why? Like why? If it's a proven substance that you supply, why is it? Oh, you can have it on your pitching hand to help you on the ball, but on your wrist, like where you're sweating, where you would actually reach down, like grab it, which is legal. Sweat is legal and rosin. Why? Why is that illegal that you're kicking people out for 10 games? Yeah, that's what I I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I say, if it's in the rule book, you know, they're enforcing it. So I, I, I get, I get it. Like if he had rosin on his, in his glove or something, like if it's against the rules and they say it's against the rules, then it's against the rules. But I mean, I agree with you. Like, I don't think that if you get rosin on your glove hand, you should be thrown out of games and stuff. I think they need to look at changing that. But right. I mean, that's something that, you know, that it's, if it's against the rules, then, you know, I don't know what the umpire could specifically do about it. I mean, the umpires aren't going to just ignore the rules. Like, yeah. If it's against the rules, they're going to throw him out. So, like it or not, whether that's a good thing or not, I mean, I don't really think that's a good thing if it's, you know, if it's if it's just rosin. But, right. you know, at the same time, like, it's one of those things. So, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and move on to kind of the, the biggest story that we had happen this week. And that was uh, last Wednesday's when it really came out. Um, and that's kind of, it's going to be a big talking point this offseason with what we're, ta- uh, you know, with the CBA getting ready to come up. But that's the luxury tax minimum and, and everything that MLB and the players have to negotiate on. And supposedly the league and the owners um, went to the Players Association with a, um, a proposal for what it should look like and that they wanted to make a new salary floor, which right now there is not a salary floor, so you can have teams spending $20 million if they want to put a team out. And you have teams like the Dodgers who are spending $237 million. Um, so anyways, they wanted to make this plan where there's a salary minimum of $100 million for each team. So every team has to spend $100 million no matter what. But to get the teams that are spending, say, $50 million right now up to that $100 million, they want any team that is over the luxury tax limit that they're setting of this new proposal of $180 million to pay the rest for to pay like the 50 million dollars for that team to get up from 50 million to 100 million yeah so i have a few opinions on this the fir- my first opinion is that i think that you know the, the 100 million spending floor it, i think that's t- you know in general a good thing i think if you look at um you know there's a lot of different ways you can spend your money as a, as a team and i think that you know it doesn't necessarily mean if you're the indians who have the lowest payroll in baseball or i guess the guardians soon uh, the orioles pirates teams that have really low payrolls i don't think it necessarily means that you have to spend uh, all that money on free agents and you know pl- get good get big players i mean you can go make bad contract swaps too and acquire prospects through that i mean you had You've seen that a few times, you know, with the, with the Braves taking on Bronson Arroyo's contract to get Tukey Toussaint, um, you know, trading Craig Kimbrell to the um, to the Padres to get rid of uh, Melvin Upton Jr.'s contract. We, we heard a lot of talk about the deadline that the Padres were looking to move one of their top prospects along with Eric Hosmer to get out of that contract. So you do see that a pretty good bit. So, I mean, you could be a team that's rebuilding and still, you know, we build that way and, and you know, that can still, you can still, I don't think it solves the whole tanking thing because there's other ways to do it. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, if you're a major league baseball team, I, I mean, you're, if you're getting outspent by $200 million, like what's the point? I mean, seriously, I mean, I, 
the, the Dodgers payroll is really high compared to everyone else, but still, even if it wasn't the Dodgers, I mean, you've got a $100 million payroll deficit to most of the top teams in the league if you're, if you're Cleveland. And Cleveland would probably be a pretty good team this year if it wasn't for their limits because, I mean, they have a, several players that were, you know, star players on that team that, you know, they're not playing anymore because they're not on the team anymore because they traded them because they didn't want to pay them. So, I mean, there are times where it would come come through. But, um, I mean, it's just one of those things, um, you know, I, I think if you're MLB, I, I think that's a good thing. And I think lowering in, – in response to that, also lowering the um, total – the payroll limit on that luxury tax, I think it's a good thing too because, you know, I think it's – it's in a, it's as opposed to doing a salary cap, but it, you don't put a hard cap. And I think the players should go for that because I think what Major League Baseball would want is a cap. But um, I think that you also look at, um, you know, I, I don't like the whole we're going to have the top teams who are paying the tax. You know, we're going to have that fund the players for the bottom teams to sign. I don't, I don't like that at all. I mean, I just don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair for the Dodgers to pay for the Orioles to have to get players. I mean. Right. I, I, you know, I, I think that's pretty ridiculous. But I think they're they they would have to negotiate something about that. I think that's only a way to try to get all the owners to agree because I think that the, a lot of the lower payroll owners are going to be unhappy with raising that floor. But I mean, you know, think about if the Rays had a hundred million dollar payroll. I mean, the Rays' current payroll is seventy million dollars. You know, they have thirty million dollars open in that case, and. I mean, their team's already a World Series contender. So, you know, what if they added three players in Rays fashion for $10 million a piece that are, you know, pretty really good players? Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't understand why some of these teams aren't doing that already, but I guess it is what it is, so. Yeah, I'm all for the salary floor bumping up to the $100 million. Like, I think that's been needed for a long time because of teams like this tanking strategy where they're just like, oh, we'll just go spend $30 million, have a bunch of young guys who are basically making the league minimum just go out there and lose us all the games, and then we'll you know, be fine and we'll just find a way to do it again next year and get, get the picks and wait five or six years for those you know top picks to be good, and, you know, good enough for the majors. But I... I we, of course, we don't know the full proposal, so this was kind of just the stuff that's barely getting leaked out. We don't know everything, but it, you know, I think it would just be better just to put the floor in place and not really worry about the whole luxury tax, you know, issue. I, we had talked a little bit, like maybe what if instead of one eighty, they went to two hundred million and you give like a hundred million dollar thing. But right now, the first tax limit's two hundred and ten million. Like, it's not even. I don't think it's very significant with trying to lower it down all that much. Uh, you know, it's a big jump for, for the teams going from, you know, 60 million to a hundred million, but you know, you're going to throw it. Oh, you have to be 180 million when you have teams spending, you know, like I said, the Dodgers this year is two thirty. Now that's with the whole, who knows with what's happening with the Bauer contract and that could be 30 or 40 million off and whatever. But, I mean, there's still other teams that are spending, you know, upwards of two hundred yeah, million dollars. The Dodgers are at two sixty-seven right now because Bauer's still being paid. Right. It, so so the, I guess the thing I was looking at was without yeah. the Bauer contract. Yeah, without Bauer, he would be about a little under two thirty. But with with Bauer, they're they're at two sixty-seven. Right. Like like I say, he's still getting paid because of uh, 
the he's not he's not a technically suspended yet. He's yeah. on the administrative leave or whatever. I don't remember what the name of the it's called the exemption list or whatever it is. Yeah. So I think he's actually getting off of that pretty soon. Well, so, they don't know they. So they, not, haven't, not, they at least haven't extended. Like, players don't want to extend it again. I think was the players. Well, it, it got extended to the twenty seventh. Um, so when this happened, it was uh, last week, and they extended it. It was like last Tuesday, and they extended it to. Um, to this Friday, and then we don't know what's happening at that point because they're still waiting for the like Pasadena Police Department to file charges. Yeah, there's still or investigations and stuff going. Yeah, on. so anytime uh, it might get it might get extended again, but it, yeah, because at that point it's going to come to Rob Manford on what he wants to do with the like he can suspend him now, but risk the more information coming to light, whatever. But I, I expect it to just keep getting extended. But back to the point of the whole contracts thing, like asking the teams that have already have that to oh you have to like i doubt they'd make them in one season like cut salary down but like how would that be handled like now if you're having a 180 million dollar tax limit and you have the dodgers payroll that's 200 and let's say they even cut you know a couple people off they have a bunch of free agents this year but say they get down to 220 this year but you're it's 180. So what's that limit like right now? And are they a yeah. first time offender in the new limit, or are they? Do you count them as a third time I, offender under the new CBA? Like, my guess, my guess is, and and this isn't anything that anybody knows for sure. It's just a guess. But my guess is that they would probably have some kind of grace period where, like, if you're the you know, it's not fair to have a team go out and say, this is how much money you can spend and not be over the luxury tax. And then all of a sudden say, Oh yeah, now it's $30 million less. Yeah. Like, like you have to be so, under right now. Yeah. So they might say, okay, you know, in three years, this is going to go into effect so that, you know, your contracts will fall off the books and you'll eventually get down to that 180. But I mean, obviously the Dodgers are what $55 million over it right now. I mean, they're not going under the luxury tax anytime soon. I don't think, I don't think they care about the luxury tax, honestly. So, um, you know, some of these teams that the, the teams that it would affect a lot more are like the Mets and Astros and maybe the Yankees who are just barely over like, like the Yankees currently are under the luxury tax, but they would be over the luxury tax uh, under the new thing. So they would have to cut about $20 million. Like the Mets would have to cut $18 million. The Astros would have to cut $11 million. I mean, the Dodgers, either way, you're going to slice it. It's a lot. That's, you know, they're, it, it would increase. And, and also the fact is, I did the math the other day. As, as long as I understand how the tax works and stuff, it would increase the Dodgers' total money spent only like six million dollars over what they're doing now so it's really not that much and i don't think six million dollars is too much to the dodgers so um you know we'll see what happens with it um i'll be intrigued and uh you know we'll see uh, hopefully um you know hopefully the, the, they'll come to a resolution i think i was reading something the other day i don't remember who it was, it was somebody who was supposedly an insider said that they thought that you know there was a sub 90 percent chance that this gets done before the season next year, but a well over 50-50 chance it does. So, um, you know, this has been a thing that not too many people have talked about. People have been worried about uh, for a while, you know, this getting done before next year. And, I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces here. and There's been a lot of animosity between the players and the, and the uh, you know, in, in, the, in the league since last year. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everything goes, goes smoothly and we'll move on to 2022 and, you know, maybe have some new rules, but 
uh, when it comes to spending. But, um, you know, I think in general, like the idea of having a, you know, a lower salary cap, but a higher floor should, uh, you know, it should be good for both sides. It should be good for the, for both the players and the owners. I think the players still get paid a little bit more. I think it helps them make money doing that. But, you know, the, um, I think it you know, helps. It helps the the average player get yeah. paid more, but I think it hurts how much your superstars can get paid. Maybe, but I mean, at the same time, like you know, you have if you get look at total money spent. I mean, like like Cleveland could then bring back Lindor on that contract that you know if they're forced to spend a hundred million dollars, they would have brought back Lindor probably and probably well, I, like i don't even think know. that i think what this allows teams to do is try to look to lock up their younger pieces yeah. sooner like instead of like oh hey we'll just play through the salary arbitration game it's like oh okay well we'll just give you a you know a five-year contract which would line up with when your free agency would have been anyways and we'll pay you you know 50 million dollars now you're getting paid 10 million dollars a year and that helps our salary floor yeah like, so We'll see what ends up happening. And I mean, I think that's in general something that the players would be happy about because, you know, if the superstars are getting paid $40 million or $35 million, like there's, I mean, there's a big difference, obviously. It's $5 million. It's a lot of money, but it's not that big of a difference. There's a big difference between getting like the league minimum and $10 million. So I think that's something that the players union is very in favor of. Uh, So, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm very, um, I, you know, I'm optimistic about it. I, like I say, I think that's something that would be a, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it an improvement, but, uh, you know, it's definitely, a, I think it would be a good compromise to have. So we'll see what happens though. I'll be interested. There'll be a lot of coming out about this over the off season. This will probably be a, there will be spending a lot of off season talk about, yeah. uh, about the, the players in the, in the, uh, league coming together on some of these things so hopefully yeah. coming together so yeah this is probably the first 10 minutes of what we're going to spend probably three to four hours on throughout the, <laughs> throughout the break this off season i could just see that coming up right now no doubt. But, uh, well let's jump to the kind of the series that we had talked about um <clears throat> excuse me the series we had talked about last week to kind of look forward to throughout that week um, we had the the Phillies and the Padres had a big series in San Diego that the Phillies ended up taking two of the three and they were actually leading um, on that other, the last or the other game that they lost. And I believe it was Aaron. They were trying to get a complete game out of Aaron Nola. He had like a hundred and like 16 pitches yep. and with bottom of the ninth, two outs, he gave up a two run Homer to tie it. Um, yeah, that was, that was big. Uh, and it was big for the Padres and for the Phillies. Cause, um, you know, the Braves won nine games in a row before last night and, the uh, you know, the Phillies trying to keep in touch. And I mean, that that was a big momentum swing. Um, you know, you're looking for your ace to go out there and complete that game. And then it's like, boom, <laughs> Cronenworth hits a home run. And then the Phillies lost the lost the game in extras in embarrassing fashion on a wild pitch, too. So um, I think know, it was that, was, that, that game. Was it, it was. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They lost that game in an embarrassing fashion on that wild pitch. So um, it was one of those things where it, it was pretty crazy. It was a crazy game. Um, and then, uh, but, you know, Philly, give them credit because they lost three games to the Arizona Diamondbacks last week. They got swept yeah. by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, you know, it, it was, they were, I mean, their, their whole fan, you know how Philly fans are. I mean, they were just berating the team and everything. And then, you know, they came back and, 
were able to take two out of three against San Diego. That made it even more important to hold on to that series. So for now, um, you know, for now, the Philly is still in the picture. So, uh, but that, that and, and San Diego's in the picture too. But, um, you know, San Diego two and eight in their last 10. I mean, you can't, you can't get, you cannot get beat at home by a team that just got swept by the Diamondbacks and is really struggling. Like you can't, that can't happen. So, I mean, especially a team you're battling in the wild card race too. Right. So, um, you know, that was a pretty bad week for the pretty bad weekend for the Padres. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about the Padres in just a little bit. Um, but let's go to the other team, like I said, per se, that we were looking at this week was the Oakland A's. They had, you know, four games against the White Sox, and they had three games against the Giants. They ended up losing three of the four to the White Sox, and they lost two of three to the San Francisco Giants. And at least in the Giants series, I don't know about the White Sox series, but in the Giants series, on the games on Saturday and Sunday they lost, they had a lead, I think, in both of those in the eighth inning and gave them both up on homers. I think Lamont Wade hit a game-tying homer on Saturday, and then uh, Donovan Solano hit like a two-run. They were leading one nothing. He hit a two-run homer to uh, give the Giants the 2-1 lead on Sunday, and they lost that. Yeah, you wonder what the Giants, when this is going to stop, because they've been all year, it's just been clutch moment after clutch moment for them. It's and, annoying. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, it's been really remarkable that, you know, in every it seems like every single time, every situation um, they have had, and, and, you know, where they were down by a run or up by a run and, you know, the game was in trouble for them, you know, they've somehow been able to win it. I mean, it's been one of the more remarkably clutch teams I can remember. And, uh, you know, obviously two more this weekend, I mean, against Oakland and, um, you know, that hurt Oakland pretty good. You know, they're falling back, especially with the Yankees having won 10 in a row, have really cemented themselves as one of the, at least one of the wild cards. They're still four and a half back from the Rays, but, um, you know, Oakland kind of battling with the Red Sox now and, uh, you know, game and a half back. So uh, a team that looked like it was probably going to end up being a playoff team in Oakland, um, you know, for a while there now, little bit back in the in the wild card but they are kind of in the race in the west they're only four games back so i mean i guess they could still you know somehow pull out the west houston's been struggling lately but uh definitely an interesting uh interesting weekend for both of those teams so um you know good 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 weekend for uh you know good week for the giants hang tied against some good competition so yeah uh, that's annoying they need to stop (laughs) Uh, no, as but uh, you know, hey, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Giants right here too. And that was um, against the New York Mets this week, who had you know the, the three game series against San Francisco, and then went to a four game series against the Dodgers. Um, you know, they lost two of the three to San Francisco, and then they lost three of four to the Dodgers in LA. Um, and they're actually playing the Giants again, you know, the beginning of this week, and they lost eight nothing today. Um, I didn't realize the the. I knew the Mets were on a bad stretch, but now they're un- two games under 500 after today's loss. Um, for a team that had kind of been leading, you know, that division for much of the season, it and now that it sounds like Degrom's out for the year, um, you know, this is a this was a pretty rough couple weeks for the for the New York Mets. Yeah, a very tough week for the Mets. Um, you know, I guess they did pull out a game against the Dodgers and a game against the Giants, which. You know, when you're playing in L.A. Um, in San Francisco, typically the goal would probably be this year, you know, the two best records in baseball, you know, it would be just don't get swept. So I guess, you know, they didn't get swept. But, um, you know, when you're, you know, 
having had led the NL East for a lot of the year and, you know, a team that's, you know, supposed to be competing. Um, I mean, they, that, you know, they really need to do more than that because they're now six and a half games behind the Braves. They're about to lose tonight to the Giants. So they'll be, you know, seven back. They'll, they'll probably still be six and a half back. You know, the Braves are, the Braves have a, a rally going with two outs in the ninth against the Yankees, but are probably going to lose this game. But, um, you know, you look at the Mets and, um, I mean, they just don't have the offense. They, they've had some injuries. Um, Lindor's underperformed, but, you know, he's been out for a while. So even when he had started turning the corner a little bit, he's still still been injured. Um, he got injured. And then, I mean, some, they didn't really do too much at the trade deadline. They went out and grabbed Javi Baez from the, from the Cubs, but he's been – not good at all when he's played and he's you know he's had a little bit of injury too since he got there so um obviously like you said DeGrom being out for the year um honestly I mean I you know I feel like the Mets it could have been worse I mean you go to LA and you know you did salvage a game and you salvaged a game in San Francisco and you were at least competitive in most of those games so um it's just one of those things uh, that's a tough part of your schedule and um you know you got to fight through that and you know, but seven games, six and a half games back at this point is going to be tough to overcome. I think, especially when you got to pass two teams that are probably better than you are anyway. So, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't realize how bad this Met stretch had been over the past couple of weeks until really looking at it right now. Um, you know, right as we were kind of like looking at the series and whatever, I knew that the Dodgers had you know swept them there, and then they had been struggling with the Giants and the Dodgers again. Um, very, very uh, disheartening season, you know, for the for the Mets, especially with ha- such high expectations after bringing in Lindor and you know uh, Carrasco, who's really struggled so far, and then trading for Baez. Um, I know they have faced a lot of injuries this year. You know, Thor hasn't really been able to recover. You know, we thought he'd be back by now, and he's still kind of doing mound works. I will say on on him. Apparently, he was throwing a bulb or a, a, a simulated game the other day, and actually pretty good and felt good so i don't yeah. know if he he might end up coming back before the end of the season now i don't know if he does i kind of doubt it especially if they end up you know they're six and a half games back so if they don't pull out a few wins here they'll probably just shut him down for the you know have him ready next year but yeah so the, uh, he, he has been looking like he might come back yeah the interesting part about that is i had never heard of this either until it happened he threw that simulated game in dodger stadium um, which is really interesting because usually they don't throw simulated games away from your home ballpark. Usually you just do that at your own thing. Uh, but he threw that in L.A. Um, yeah, he was throwing on, to – I saw him. He was throwing to Lindor and Baez, and people were saying that yeah. uh, the Mets simulated game roster was better than their active roster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but, I mean, they already shut down DeGrom pretty much. I think they said there was like a 99% chance that they're not going to bring DeGrom back this year. Um, and I think that's kind of just signaling – signaling either the white flag with that they know they're not going to be competitive or it speaks to how bad you know DeGrom's injury is or how he's not recovering well which is also another scary sight for a guy like Jacob DeGrom you know with how hard he's been throwing and stuff I feel like it's one of those things where if you're the Mets you have you know you're six and a half back so you don't want to push it on stuff. Now, if they made the playoffs, if they somehow miraculously went on a run and you know made up all these games, because they're not going to win, they're not going to make the wild card. If they somehow made up all these games and made the playoffs and won the division, then you know maybe Jacob Degrom could be back. It, it, you know, I think he could. You know, but based on the way that things have been reported so far, it sounds like 
he's been encouraged not to pitch, but he maybe could if they were in a situation to. But you got to remember at the same time that you know Jacob Degrom's a guy, or that the you know you, he's a guy that you don't want to get injured because you know the future. I mean, the Mets even if they make the playoffs probably aren't doing anything this year. Like they're not going to beat the probably won't beat the Brewers. Wouldn't beat the Brewers. They're not going to beat the Dodgers. They're not going to beat the Giants. They're not going to beat the Padres if they made it in. I doubt they could beat the Reds if they made it in. So, you know, if you're if you're the if you're the Mets, I mean, I think you look to next year. But you know, you don't want to end up in a situation like the Padres got in with uh, you know Lamette Clevenger trying to come back and pitch and tearing up their elbows and now you know missing the season of contention and the season of their primes. So, um, you know, hopefully they make the right decisions here. And I don't trust the Mets to make the right decisions with their pitching staff injuries because that's not what they're known for. But, um, you know, I think in this case, so far they have at least in this case. So maybe they'll maybe they'll make the right decision here. Yeah, maybe they will. Well, let's look forward to kind of the series that we have going this week, and then we'll jump to players of the week and wrap this up. Um, but, the you know, the Braves and Yankees started a series yesterday, a little two-game series. Um, the Yankees won the first game, and like you said, it's in the bottom of the ninth right now with two outs. Um, they have a 5-3 lead. Um, so that's a that's a series. The Braves then go on to play the Giants for three over the weekend, which is going to be a massive series for two first place teams. Um, you got the Dodgers and Padres starting a three game series tonight, um, that, and that's a massive thing because the the uh, in the NL West the Padres are now out of the wild card spot. They are last time I checked at least they I think are they're a game they're one game, game back of the Reds. Yeah, they're one game back of the Reds. Um, but it's also a big series for them against the Dodgers. They've played really well, and they've kind of stepped up against the Dodgers this year. Um, so this could be a series that helps get the Padres back on track because they've really struggled a lot lately, and they're missing some of their pitchers. But uh, I think they said you Darvish is supposed to come back against the and one of these games in the Dodgers series. They haven't announced which one just yet, though. Um, so that's going to be an interesting series. And then over the weekend, it's going to be a big, big series in the AL wildcard picture, and that's the Yankees and the A's going for four. Yeah, so that's, those are some big games. Uh, the Yankees and the A's are really close together in the wildcard um, race. But, of course, the Yankees haven't been as hot as they are. You kind of expect them to kind of take over that first wildcard spot slash maybe catch the Rays if they keep playing like this. Um, you look at the um, any, the A's need to win a couple of those games. So, um the, that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Four games. I mean, that could be a big swing if the if the A's can win three of those games or something. Then I think that'd be that'd be huge. And it's in Oakland, so the Yankees have to fly across country to do that stuff. Um, look at the other series, the Braves and the Giants. Um, you know, I think that's a big series. It's in Atlanta. Um, you know, the Braves will you know need to win a couple games. I think the Phillies' schedule is pretty easy um, this weekend. So um, it's um. It's interesting, but um, we'll see what happens. Um, we'll um, we'll, we'll be uh, we'll, it'll it'll be it'll be I think it'll be two very good series. And the Braves have a lot of connections to the Giants right now. Uh, Kevin Gossman being the ace for the Giants, <laughs> like he was a Brave a couple years ago, and um, that'll be a fun series. And then uh, who else was what was the other one we were talking about? Uh, was it the oh the Padres and the Dodgers? I mean that yeah. you know, that's always a good series these days. So. Um, that'll be fun and we'll see it'll be an interesting um interesting finish to the season and um you know interesting interesting week for sure some big big battles this week yeah absolutely it is and uh and we'll be sure to, to fill you guys in on next week on what has happened with those series 
But uh, let's go ahead and jump over to our players of the week. Uh, and we'll start with who do you have for your pitcher of the week? So my pitcher of the week this week is, um, excuse me. Um, it is uh, man who who did I, I don't even try to remember who I uh, picked Sandy Alcantara Sandy Alca yes Sandy Alcantara he pitched a beauty against the Braves the other night uh, so apologies for my distraction the last couple of minutes uh, this game this Braves game is getting wild right now there's it's about to be we might have a game to talk about next week there's been some controversy here but uh, Sandy Alcantara has been a really good. Um, he, he had a great game against Atlanta the other night, eight innings. I think it might have been seven and two-thirds innings, actually, but gave up one run on a little bloop hit at the end of the game. Um, you know, what a very, um, you know, just spectacular. And then he came out through a seven seven innings, only two runs, um, you know, 180 ERA on the week. That's a two-start week, 15 innings pitched. Um, you know, I don't know if he was the best pitcher this week, um, but one of the pitchers that I – had in mind uh he was he was my pick last week at adam wainwright because he pitched really good again this week in two starts so but i, I went with sandy alcantara he's been good yeah so my pitcher this week is uh logan webb from san francisco giants he has been you know a nice really surprise for them a 284 era on the season but over the last month um really since anthony b sclafani has been struggling and kevin gossman's really been struggling and He's kind of stepped up and, you know, he's a, he's a 169 ERA at a, a 0.94 whip, six quality starts. But over his last, uh, you know, the two games he had this week, 13 and the third innings, he uh, had a 203 ERA, had 10 strikeouts per nine, which is really good in a one, you know, 1.35 walks per nine. Um, he's, he's really stepped up for the Giants when those guys have been struggling. Uh, I know he's pitched a couple of good games against the Dodgers, but... Um, and he had a really good start against Oakland over the weekend, which is I was watching a little bit of that game. And that's kind of what you know threw him out to me a little bit more. But yeah. really good week for Logan Webb, and you know, kind of exactly what the Giants have needed since those other guys who were really good for them from the start of the year have kind of you know starting to come back down to earth. But the two you know two guys have been struggling for them, but Logan Webb and Alex Wood have kind of stepped up lately. Yeah, and that's one thing. Um, you know, I was reading some stuff. A lot of people have been talking about Logan Webb, and it's another. It's one of those situations where if you or have like impeccable command, it doesn't matter about the stuff. So he's apparently he's been. I haven't watched him too much, but apparently his command has been on point for the most part. So, um, you know, good for good for Logan Webb. But uh, my hitter this week is uh, Ahmed Rosario. Um, you know, we talked last week a little bit about um, about the Little League game, the Little League Classic that was played in uh, Williamsport between the Indians and the Angels. And uh, it was pretty cool. Amit Rosario apparently is Mr. Williamsport because I think they were talking about during the game how great he was there two years ago when uh, the Mets played there. Amit Rosario was a member of the Mets, and then he went off in that game again this week, hit a home run, had three three or four hits. But uh, on the week in general, you know, had a 500 average um, across 24 plate appearances. So, um, you know, pretty nice week for him. He's a good defensive player, too. So, um, you know, really, really solid week for Ahmed Rosario. Yeah, uh, Ahmed Rosario is one of my uh, my favorite players to watch this year. Um, I picked him up in my fantasy league, and he's done, you know, pretty much everything I could have expected this year. And like you said, in that Williamsport game, he just had, you know, one of the best games he's had all year long. Um, and he, he's really fun to watch with his uh, his you know combination of the power he can have and speed at the same time. But uh, my hitter that I went with this week was Ty France from the Seattle Mariners. 
Um, he's having a really good season overall, and I think he's just kind of been under the radar. But he hit four homers this week, um, a three ninety three average, a four hundred on base. He doesn't walk very much, you know, only three percent walk rate this week compared to a twenty three point three strikeout percentage this week. But it, some of his homers were big clutch homers, tied the game. I think was one of them was a tie late game game tying homer, um, and one of them was a you know go ahead homer. I think in like the eighth or the ninth as well. Um, you know, 236 WRC plus on the week. Not, there was no real big hitter standouts of the week. Um, there's a bunch of that had a decent week kind of grouped all around right here. But yeah. Ty France was, a you know, one of the more under radar guys who's having a, a fantastic season, let alone this week alone. Yeah, and you mentioned Ty France, uh, 3.1 wins above replacement on the season. Really solid, 132 WRC plus, and uh, it's a guy they got for uh, Aaron for Austin Nola, not Aaron Nola, Austin Nola in that trade last year with the Padres. So, um, very interesting stuff there from uh, from Austin Nola. Yeah, well, no, and Ty France is uh, OPS. I mean, uh, Ty, Ty, Ty France, sorry, I, I'm in. No, That's yeah, I, mean. <laughs> I got you. And his OPS over the last month has been 944. Wow, like That's in in 114 impressive. plate appearances. So it's not like he's in a little bit of plate appearances. He's getting, you know, a good run amount of time and he's performing really well. Yeah, I mean a season OPS is in the what is it? 828. 828. I mean that, you know, with a 292 batting average. Yeah, and then you add in the fact that, you know, over the past month he's been so good. I mean, I definitely am, you know, I I love I love what he's done, so Yeah. Um, big uh, big Thai France fan. Yep, and people talk about the, how they don't know how the Mariners are doing good. It's because guys like Ty France, JP Crawford, some of these guys have played really well this year. So, yeah. um, anyways, but good stuff. Um, you know, we'll see what they can do going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have anything else you kind of want to wrap up on? Oh, uh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, you know, as we've discussed, pennant races coming up. You know, everything's getting down and and uh every game's intense we've been seeing a lot of playoff atmospheres this week too and starting the last couple weeks and i think you're you know they've seen it in atlanta the last couple nights definitely see it uh in um you'll definitely see it in the padres Dodgers series i don't even know where is that series san diego san diego okay yeah you're definitely gonna see it in that series (laughs) um you're gonna see playoff atmospheres all over the place in, in these big series late late season so um be very interesting um but I think uh, I think I'm gonna have to wrap it up because uh, Freddie Freeman's coming to the plate with the bases loaded <laughs> and uh, two outs and a one run game now. So um, Chapman got um, Chapman did not pitch well tonight. So, um, but anyways, uh, we'll see what happens, and uh, I'm excited for the next couple weeks. I think it's gonna be really fun, and um, hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about next week. So. Yeah, we'll we'll let you uh, we'll let you jump back to that game because it does seem like it's a pretty uh, pretty intense moments going over there in the uh, Arcara household right now. So uh, thank you guys. I feel, for... I feel I feel bad because I've been you know I've tried real hard to focus and it's going over the background and it's this big game and man, trust and... me, that's why I don't even like right now the Dodgers and Padres game is playing and I don't even turn have yeah. it turned on I'm right gonna... now. Yeah, I would hate myself if I missed the Braves coming back to beat the Yankees, or yeah. if, you know, just this game. This game's been really fun in general, but I, I would I would hate myself if I missed it. So yeah. I had to, I had to turn it on, but man, that not not the best not the best decision if you're trying to do a podcast. <laughs> hey, you know what? We're a baseball podcast. We're talking about how much we love baseball, and uh, you know, it's hard to turn off sometimes. So <laughs> that happens. Well, thank everyone for tuning into this episode of the Bat Flip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.